0: By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information.
1: Although most economies around the world are in the recovery phase after the initial outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, uncertainty about the path of the recovery and the risk of a renewed downturn are major factors behind Moody's negative outlooks on global banks, as well as most global insurance sectors, with a notable exception of PNC insurance. I'm Danielle Reed, and this is Moody's Talks, Focus on Finance. In today's episode, my co-host Sebastian Silva in New York will speak with Sophia Lee in Hong Kong and Greg Bauer in New York about the risks we see ahead for the global banking sector. Sebastian, what's driving the negative outlook for global banks?
2: As you mentioned, Danielle, the fragile economic recovery is one major factor behind our negative outlook for global banks. This of course incorporates the risks of another downturn depending on what happens with the pandemic. Then there's the fact that government policies that have helped borrowers could end if they're not extended. These are things like loan assistance to borrowers that can make late payments without penalties or even more direct cash payments to some people who may have lost their jobs. So uncertainty around that, depending on the country, is a factor as well.
1: Thanks, Sebastian. We'll hear more about potential trouble ahead for global banks in a few minutes. But first I'm here with Laura Baser in New York and Dominic Simpson in London to talk about the outlook for global life insurance, reinsurance and PNC insurance. Dominic and Laura, welcome to Focus on Finance. Hi, Danielle. Good to talk to you.
0: Happy to be here, Danielle.
1: Now, as I mentioned earlier, the outlook for global life insurance is negative as is the outlook for reinsurance, but the global property and casualty or PNC insurance outlook is stable. I'd like to start first with Laura to explain what's driving the negative outlook for global life insurers. And then Dominic can talk about reinsurance and especially about what's different for PNC insurance. So, Laura, what are the main reasons for the negative outlook on global life insurers?
3: Well, there are two main reasons, Danielle. Uh, first is the uneven economic recovery. We believe a recovery is underway globally, but it's a fragile one. For 2021, we're forecasting real GDP growth of over 4% for advanced G20 nations and about six for the emerging ones. But that's after a year of economic contraction in 2020. And there are downside risks to the growth. New waves of virus and partial lockdowns, which we're already seeing, um, a return of market volatility, geopolitical issues, these types of factors could all knock this growth off pace. Even in this base scenario, uneven growth and things like high um, unemployment will will constrain demand for life insurance products. As you know, Danielle, life insurance, unlike auto insurance, which Dominic's going to speak to, is not a mandatory purchase.
1: Right. And you mentioned two drivers. So um, what's the other main driver of the negative outlook?
3: So the second uh, driver for the negative outlook is ultra-low interest rates. They reduce portfolio and investment yields, and they they can make certain types of insurance products, like annuities and particularly guaranteed products, less profitable. And we're actually seeing a transformation of global life insurers away from these products and towards fee-based and capital light ones. And this is going to be playing out um, in the coming years. Also notable during this pandemic, while there's been COVID mortality, certainly mortality claims have been lower than we expected. And that's due to a few factors, age-based purchasing habits. For example, fewer older COVID-affected individuals buy life insurance than younger ones, particularly in some parts of the world, and generally better wealth and health profiles of insureds versus the general population make a difference. Um, There are also COVID mortality offsets in longevity and annuity businesses. And I should mention that asset impairments and rating downgrades
1: have been lower than we initially expected. Right, so that accounts for most of the risks ahead for life insurers, even though some of the risks are not um, at at the high end of what we might have projected. What are some credit strengths global life insurers have overall? Um, Well, there are
3: two strengths here too. So capital is the first one. Um, Capital is strong in, in terms of local solvency ratios by and large around the world. Um, Companies started out 2020 comfortably above their minimum regulatory requirements and global pauses on share repurchase activity have certainly helped and some of these are voluntary, some of these have been required by regulators. Uh, Debt issuances by insurers and largely in the first half of 2020 um, have also helped, Um, they've been a buffer to COVID losses and, and uncertainties. And the second strength is the digital transformation underway, which has positive effects. Certainly the pandemic has accelerated the shift over to digital. That's right Daniel, it absolutely has. Um insurers had already been moving processes online, but the pandemic really accelerated that. So shutdowns forced global insurance businesses online pretty much from one week to the next for things like sales and underwriting, policy delivery, servicing, the entire process. Um and as you as you can imagine, digitization helps shorten and facilitate the buying process, it lowers costs for insurers and it, it keeps insurers relevant with more digitally savvy populations who are potentially actually their, their next policy holder. So it's important. Right,
1: that makes sense. Um, thanks, Laura. Turning now to Dominic, can you explain to our listeners what's driving the stable outlook for global PNC insurance? Why is this business different from global life insurance or reinsurance, both of which have negative outlooks?
0: Yeah, sure, Danielle. Um, Well, for for the stable outlook for the PNC sector it's really a combination of factors. Um, Firstly, the sector has solid capitalization, and and that's based on sound risk management and and reinsurance programs. And and bear in mind that the sensitivity of PNC insurers' economic capital um, is generally not as sensitive to falls in interest rates as life insurers. Um, also, capital has been protected um, because, although it's true to say that commercial insurers have incurred significant business interruption claims from the coronavirus, um, they have been contained by reinsurance protection and also countered by reduced claims frequency in in uh, personal lines such as such as auto. So, all in all, uh, an earnings are not a capital event uh, for the sector. Um, Thirdly, premium volumes, while well, they're being supported by a uh, sustained price increases in commercial lines, um, both to co- combat coronavirus uh, and catastrophe losses, as well as rising litigation. Um, and then, as Laura uh, alluded to, um, some of the P&C uh, business lines are, are mandatory in nature, um, such as auto, which is also supportive for premium volumes.
1: Right. So all of that supports this stable outlook. What about risks
0: facing the sector? Yes, the main one we see is is low interest rates, uh, which is negatively impacting investment income. Um, so PNC insurers predominantly invest in fixed income securities. So as rates fall, so does the investment yield. Uh, and in fact, that's one of the reasons that's incentivizing insurers to push rate increases through. Um, insurers are also combating higher loss costs. This is because of the trend uh, of rising litigation. Uh, which could negatively impact reserves. Um, And then thirdly, um, natural catastrophes are an increasing threat to PNC insurers. Uh, This is being exacerbated by climate change. So, for example, we saw a record number of US hurricanes and storms in 2020 um, that produced significant estimated losses of $22 to $35 billion.
1: And what about lockdowns? Um, there's some dynamics around that for the P&C sector. Uh, I'm talking about restrictions on business and other activities during the pandemic. What's been the effect of that?
0: No, that, that that's absolutely correct. Um, I mean, reduced for, for reduced economic activity, we, we've broadly seen a, a negative impact on premium volumes. But, but at the same time, um, the, the the reduced economic economic activity has reduced the frequency of claims in lines such as auto um, and as a result one-off profits are going to be generated uh, in 2020 but we see that as f- in fact fueling price competition into next year and that is con- going to constrain retail price increases um, and then looking looking ahead as well, uh, future coronavirus related losses well that's really going to hinge on the economic recovery. Um, but also the outcome of litigation over business interruption claims that we're seeing around the globe, including, for example, the US, UK and Australia. Although to reaffirm, we we believe that uh, P&C insurers will absorb the losses from earnings.
1: Okay. And finally, how about reinsurance? Why is the outlook for global reinsurance negative?
0: Yes, the the first factor is... um, is the sector's weak profitability, which for us raises questions about the sustainability of some business models. Um, And then if you think about the plunge in interest rates, uh, social inflation, and also the higher costs for reinsurers of of reinsuring their own risk, um, that will be a drag on profitability. And it's profitability which has been low and volatile over the last few years. you then got the uncertainty created by uh, the impact of coronavirus-related losses, which which have been significant for reinsurers um, in lines such as business interruption, uh, event cancellation, and, and increased mortality. Um, and the ultimate impact is difficult to estimate uh, because, of course, the event remains ongoing uh, and is widespread. Um, and then, thirdly, I would say that you know, even though reinsurers have been putting through price increases. Um, For us, pricing is still well below levels needed to adequately compensate reinsurers uh, for the volatility that that they're assuming.
1: I see. Dominic and Laura, thank you both very much for joining us. Next up, my co-host Sebastian Silva is joined by Greg Bauer and Sophia Lee to answer the big questions about the outlook for global banks.
2: Thank you, Danielle. Sophia, Greg, welcome. Thank you.
4: Thanks for having me.
2: We rate thousands of banks and dozens of banking systems around the world. All of these have been affected by COVID. Sophia, what's behind our overall negative outlook for the banks?
4: Out of 70 banking systems that we cover, over three quarters currently have negative outlooks. And to put this into perspective, I can mention that at the end of 2019, only 14% of the banking systems had negative outlook and 45% had positive outlook. And the key reason for the negative outlook, Sebastian, is that we expect global recovery next year to be uneven, and we see pressure on profitability and asset risk, with borrowers seeing rising debt burden this year. When COVID-19 hit, banks were in fact in a very good shape after more than a decade of balance sheet tightening, and banks globally have in fact performed much better than our expectation this year. But there is a significant uncertainty whether that will remain true for next year.
2: Right. So speaking of uncertainty now, Greg, what's our outlook on the continuing policy response in this health crisis? Should we be concerned about a potential unwind of uh, government support programs that have slowed the rise in loan losses at banks specifically? Could the withdrawal of some of these programs in 2021 result in rising credit costs, for example?
5: Sebastian, first, we probably want to recognize that the worst fears uh, that we had at the outset of this crisis for the banks uh, have not been realized. The reason for that is the incredibly effective uh, and and very rapid policy response, both from a fiscal and monetary sense that uh, uh, were implemented globally. So banks have performed much better than uh, we had imagined they would at this stage. Uh, but now indeed there is the risk of, of policy fatigue setting in place. Part of this will be, is the result of a, a false comfort that might be gained in, in terms of the economic performance. Also, there's the issue of the concerns about the de- debt hangover uh, from the crisis. There will not be a resumption in spending and growth until there is wide confidence that the health crisis has passed. And we're a long way from that place. Uh, Until then, uh, we're going to need a continuation of both fiscal and monetary support. With that, yes, there is a concern uh, that there could be a deterioration in, in credit quality and bank performance, no doubt.
2: So you mentioned monetary support. That's something that has really stood out to me as, you know, interest rates have been slashed. Uh, across the world. What is the effect of interest rates?
5: Well, certainly, uh, th- this interest rate environment is putting pressure on bank profitability. Uh, we now are looking at uh, uh, low rates for a long period. Net interest margins uh, will be under enormous pressure as, as a result. And banks uh, must adjust their business models and their cost structures uh, to adapt to this uh, environment. Banks are in the business of a maturity transformation, and that's going to be under enormous stress. There are positives, ho- however, that certainly have to be recognized. One is in the the bank's own uh, funding costs, both deposit and debt borrowing costs. Uh, and secondly, the low rates prop up creditworthiness uh, of borrowers, and the low rates support uh, loan growth, uh, both good for for banks. Uh, But no question on balance, this is putting pressure on bank profitability, and it's uh, one that they will have to adjust to because it will persist for an extended period. And with the pressure on profit,
2: then we start to focus on capital, and that becomes a little bit more of a concern. Sophia, what do we expect for bank capital?
4: Well, Sebastian, we will be looking at whether banks are able to return capital to pre-pandemic levels over the medium term. But this will really depend on whether the economic shock broadens or lengthens. Actually, we just had this research out on scenario analysis done on the banks that we cover, which point to a bit more pressure on bank capitalization next year. The scenario analysis was done on 967 banks across 87 economies, and we see one in three banks at risk of capital erosion, with emerging economies at a much greater risk than the advanced economies.
2: Interesting. So I know at the outset of the crisis, we, we hinged some of the strength on capital coming out of the global financial crisis. So all of this is colored by the COVID crisis, which has wreaked havoc on operating environments around the world. Um, With that said, I know it's exposed some opportunities for meaningful changes in the banking world. Perhaps one such opportunity I've seen is in the digital space or digitalization. Greg, this one's for you, heading into 2021, do you see this as an opportunity for banks or is it in fact maybe a threat? leading to greater disintermediation, say, or even a further opportunity for non-bank competition?
5: Sebastian, on balance, we see it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity that indeed the banks must embrace for their survival. The the pace of of digital transformation has accelerated as a result of the health crisis, uh, and we don't see that reversing at, at, at all. A distinct advantage that the banks have is is the customer relationships. Uh, the non-bank competitors do not, for the most part, but that they need to provide a competitive service offering, uh, both in terms of convenience and efficiency, and, and then as well and, and with a competitive digital platform to compete effectively. There also is the issue, which is another opportunity for banks, that uh, we're witnessing a, a change in customer behavior. And that's accelerated as well uh, in this crisis, uh, away from the physical delivery model, the traditional branch model for banks. And if banks can adjust quickly to this, they have an enormous cost savings opportunity, uh, which will be a big part of their ability to respond to the pressure they're dealing with on the net interest margins. So uh, on balance, an opportunity. And so
2: accelerating digital efforts, cost control, a lot of these things affect all banks. So we've talked in general about global banking and our outlook there. Danielle had a question that was more regional.
1: Yes, Sophia, is there anything specifically in regions or systems around the world that we're watching closely or that stands out?
4: Sure, Danielle. For U.S. banks, we think they will be able to maintain sound capitalization and be able to withstand increased credit losses caused by the pandemic. For European banks, they will face difficult business climate and other issues, including structurally weak profitability and inefficiencies. And this will be further compounded by low rates and high impairments. For Asia-Pacific banks, we expect to see pockets of capital weakness in countries like India and Sri Lanka, And for the rest of the region, while capital may be stable, we expect weaker loan quality and profitability. For GCC and African banks, fiscal burdens and sovereign exposures are one of drivers of their negative outlook. And the last region I want to mention is Latin American banks, which will be challenged by asset risk and operating environment uncertainties. Right.
1: Sebastian, Sophia, and Greg, Thank you all very much for joining, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This will be the last episode of Focus on Finance for the year, and we hope you have a restful holiday season. Please join us again in the new year on January 13th for the next episode of Focus on Finance.